Some people came prepared for that game and others did not. And my favorite sign was the sign that just said, I'm cold. Laszlo <laughs> Holmes reporting from Minnesota. <laughs> well, in case you haven't realized, we are back. We are here for episode 52. This is the Handsome Hockey Podcast. My name is Jake and I am with Evan. Yeah. Evan, Evan, here across from you in lovely, rainy Portland, Oregon. So hockey. <laughs> so the World Championships of uh, U18 hockey were held in Red Deer, Canada. It's like one of those names that Pierre Maguire just like shouts out. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Red Deer. Like, wh- wh- where did that come from? Why are you shouting this into my hockey game? I don't yeah. know. I'm glad you know that. I didn't need to. <laughs> sure. Thanks, and Pierre. like you don't even know what player he's talking about. Yeah. Last year, they did all sorts of kind of COVID things to make sure that this tournament happened. The one of the tournaments. Yeah. The men's tournament. Correct. Yeah. It, in this year, they canceled the women's tournament yet again to much chagrin. It, complete bullshit. Like, they're every kind of chad and chungus on the internet it's like oh yeah the men make money and the women don't it's like who cares like we're trying the part of the reason that this tournament happens is to grow the game and to grow the women's game so that the women's game may make money for all of the teams and schools and whatever with the kind of player base that this tournament helps build and uh you know that the men's tournament two years running has been at least attempted while the women's tournament has been canceled for quote unquote safety uh, is yeah. Utter horseshit on a certain level. I'm kind of proud of the IAHF for just like clearly not giving a fuck. Like, like right. no, we don't care about the women's game here. Yeah. Here, let us show you like how impressed in the transparency of their trolling. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, so blatant <laughs> like, like, uh, painful i hope at maybe this costs some jobs or some shit i don't know that's maybe optimistic but no, it's it won't i mean yeah it's an absolute travesty the only silver lining is that the women were not were saved from the utter disgrace of showing up to fucking red deer and having zero precautions taken to have the tournament occur and ultimately having the tournament canceled have after all the practices flying all the way, you know, all of the undertaking that it takes to get from Finland or Germany to fucking red deer. This tournament should have never happened. If one, the women's tournament isn't going to happen. And two, you're not going to actually try any means of stopping the virus that is killing millions of people worldwide. Like, right. They, there were no precautions whatsoever. They're like, they're like, Oh, Hey, uh, Owen power. Uh, so what did you think about the precautions uh, for the, the world juniors? The, the what? <laughs> <laughs> the who? That didn't actually the happen, McWay? but like, it was just so absurd. Like what, what really sucks about this is we're being robbed of a lot of, really important hockey for young women and Mm -hmm. men 
like these are the tournaments that catapult people to stardom at a young age. These are the tournaments where, especially for uh, like the first time players, they can really see how they stack up against their age group. Cause in a mm-hmm. lot of times, like you've got Simon Edvinson who's playing against adult men in Sweden. And then you're like, well, let's see how he does against his age group. And he comes in and he has like two goals and an assist in his first game. And you're like, Oh shit, he might be really good. Let's see how he does for the rest of the tournament. Mm-hmm. What rest of the tournament? <laughs> and it was canceled particularly quickly after they had something like four cases crop up and there's like, ah, nope, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. And, uh, It turns out, you know, no planning went into separating these players in any meaningful capacity, especially compared to last year when they did sort of like the best bubble that junior hockey could offer. Uh, They stayed in a hotel that had a wedding at it, and there were no separations from the public to the players in a, let's say, largely unvaccinated uh, background culturally. And let's just say, for example, say a man like Red Savage, which is one (laughs) of the best names in hockey. He's a Red Wings draft pick. He played on the American team. Let's say he just decides to crash that wedding. (laughs) Hang out, flirt with a bridesmaid, party, get COVID. The fact that like the IIHF couldn't even get their own hotel like just show like it's not about pull it's hockey in canada yeah if the iihf wanted to they could be like no this is our hotel cancel everything and the hotel would have been like uh yeah yeah or oh yeah buddy we'll definitely do that for you like hockey has pull in canada and they could have absolutely done whatever they wanted in red deer fucking canada to get like, and that's no disrespect to Red Deer, but I'm guessing the biggest thing going there is probably the fucking World Juniors. Yeah. how? I mean, you know, for Red Deer, like, probably cost them a considerable amount of money. Like, you know, I'm sure the hotel is probably not making what it would make otherwise. And, uh, you know, I'm sure all of the kind of travel and, you know, food and beverage costs that they would have otherwise rung up have been cut the german team took a sad mid-ice photo uh to kind of cap the end of their junior team experience there Uh, a finnish player spoke out about how there was zero precautions and and kind of you know poor planning on the count of the ihf Uh, But my favorite tidbit is that Russian players and coaches were kicked off their flight home uh, for smoking and vaping and not wearing masks. Like, uh, is there anything more just perfectly Russian? Like, oh, we thought Trump took care of this. Yeah, I like they're like, shit, are we in Canada? (laughs) That was like a French. I now my accents have devolved into nothingness. Um. Yeah, you know, you could be a multinational. That was fine. very much like that was very much a look at this fucking Russian moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nothing says Russian like smoking and vaping on a plane and getting kicked <laughs> off. You and like, like fuck. it was the the it wasn't like the coaches were smoking and the kids were vaping. No, the kids were smoking and the coaches were vaping. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean they were. 
It was classy vaping, though. Right. Said nobody ever. You know, honestly, shit's probably purifying the air on the plane. Speaking of things that uh, can annoy you on planes, uh, COVID has run rampant through the league. Um, Several teams have had to cancel entire trips. Basically, Canada and the U.S. are sheltering in place and not playing each other. You know, holidays sometimes can be crazy like that, but with COVID. COVID holidays. uh, Oh, it's been a holiday. (laughs) Like the Green Day song or the Weezer song, or if you want to go like recent vintage, the Turnstile song. NHL, so let's just go straight down the middle with Green Day. Yeah, Green Day, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they fucking love them some Green Day, don't they? They play the oh, Winter Classic almost as much as the Blackhawks do. They're playing, like, that and uh, shipping up to Boston. Like, just... <laughs> and just it's, it's like, why are you playing that in San Jose? <laughs> like, stop it. Every one of our Boston friend fans just said, nope, I'm never listening to this fucking <laughs> podcast again. I would guess that they're sick of it, too. Like, it's a terrible fucking song uh, chicago fans are like well maybe used to like the fratellis but no mm, <laughs> no more anyway so covid covid has like torn the league asunder uh it they didn't play most of the week of christmas they are still missing tons of games like just yesterday they were like we have three games on the deck we have <laughs> one game and like <laughs> probably the best player on both of these teams isn't playing because of COVID. Well, fuck. All right. Well, uh, good luck, Artemi. Artemi yeah. Panarin just can't catch a break. The most recent news is that Connor McDavid has COVID. Uh, Connor McJesus, maybe not as much of a deity as we like to think he is. Um, of course, the week after I play him in fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Convenient like that. Yeah. You know, it's... It's sort of like the uh, uh, Chuck Norris situation where he doesn't have COVID. COVID has Connor McDavid. (laughs) It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. We're kind of we're in a way we're sitting kind of in like a a 2021 or 2020 season sphere. Like how how are we going to end this season? Is everybody going to play every game is. Are, are, are we going to have th- 32 teams in the playoffs? Like, well, like what's going to happen here? I don't, I'm not entirely sure how this plays out. Uh, neither had- is Edmonton. I, w- I wasn't even done there. Like it, Connor McDavid catching COVID comes on the heels of the team slumping. And uh, yeah, they're you know, terrible right now. Right. They cannot win to save their life. And they have the two best players in the world on their team. It turns out when you dudes. don't have any goalies, though, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're bad. Very, very bad. Mike Smith, too old, too broken. Miko Koskinen. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> not I. Everyone. Not I, who definitely did not draft him in fantasy. Ken Holland loves him. Yeah, and so. Some over-the-hill players. You know, is this. He'd re-sign Chris Chelios right fucking now if he could. Well, so the word on the street is. Would he then jettison the coach for his buddy who's not too far away, Mike Mike Babcock? Like, could this Connor McDavid catching COVID thing and, you know, now you have half of a quarter of a team. Um, Like, they could this be the thing that really sends them down the hill to fire everybody and bring in everybody's favorite hockey coach? It would be... Just the icing on the cake of the Hollandization of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, if they hired 
a coach who is like completely ill-equipped to coach a team full of offensive talent with no defensive <laughs> talent whatsoever. Yeah. And it had, it had its defensive talent just gutted by the chief. <laughs> so here's where I stand on this. Part of me wants Connor McDavid to succeed because mm-hmm. he is incredible. Good as for the is game. Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Good for the game. It's very good for the game. And also like, I just feel bad for the guy. He's like the most <laughs> prodigal talent in the last 15 years and he's stuck in fucking Edmonton. Well, he is prodigal and he is a prodigal yeah. in a way. It's it's not it's not like that's not me shitting on Edmonton as a city. That's me no. shitting on Edmonton as a team franchise. Yeah, as a front office. They're like, squandering the two best players uh, around in who can they they're like a barely in the playoffs team year after year after year with yeah, arguably the two best players in the world. Because you can't sign a fucking goalie. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, and they also have a young goalie with, like, a 917 save percentage that they just sent down to the AHL. Because they got to play Mike fucking Smith. They got to play them old bones, baby. I think they're really just waiting for his hip to break <laughs> so they can just be like, oh, well, we got to shoot him like a dead horse, like, on the ice. Like hey, I got I got a joke for you. They'll put a tent up around him and just you'll hear like <laughs> and like and like they'll be like we regret to inform you that Mike Smith was put down on the ice. <laughs> That's how goalies do like man. Like eight he, bells. Yeah. What's the joke? Oh, uh, uh how did the Oilers recall Stuart Skinner from the AHL? Stuart. Oh god damn it. Stuart. Stuart. You can go Stuart in a a couple of different ways. Like you could go letter Kenny, you could go uh mad TV. I always go mad TV. Yeah. I mean, cause Stare. I'm in my thirties, but let's just move on from COVID. Honestly, <laughs> like we, we yeah. all know it's like the shittiest thing and it's hitting the NHL harder than it is any other sport. Let's take care of the other shitty thing. Yeah. Which is uh, happening in Calgary, Alberta, not too far away. I could Their team is at odds with the city about a, uh, previously agreed upon stadium and entertainment district district renovation. Uh, the costs have gone up partially because the city really needs to solve the random flooding that happens in round there that actually uh, displaced the team from the saddle dome at one point. Uh, but the costs have gone up just like every other costing construction these days like it's it sucks it sucks to plan construction projects right now especially really big infrastructure ones yeah it's a the just the cost of wood is through the roof right now yeah beef wood and steel (laughs) it's through the roof and so you know the guy who has a lot of beef wood and steel the billionaire owner um say me damn (laughs) the he I'm sorry. That joke sucks. No, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I completely ruined your where you're going with this. Please continue. Because <laughs> that was funny. Um, so the, the guy who has a lot of beef, wood, and steel, the billionaire owner, uh, has balked over maybe the most minor cost increase that he's had to face so far, which is something like, uh, the last one was like $9.7 million is the latest kind of cost increase that city and them agreed on a deal to kind of share costs in a specific way. And um, 
you know, I think just the billionaire owner has to kind of front this additional money. This is approximately the same amount of money that they have paid Troy Brower to a play like shit for them for a little bit. And then again, that they are paid Troy Brower to not play for them. I'm going to give you $9 million to fuck off kind of situation. And that's the difference in their stadium deal. (laughs) They're giving him $9 million to go hang out in Red Deer. Yeah. Is that where they're... Nah, I don't know. I just... (laughs) Yeah. Troy Troy Brower, patient zero. No. But... uh, He showed up and the thing shut down. Yeah, it it was his kid's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) This sucks for Calgary. They're not going... The Flames aren't going anywhere. Like, let's... Yeah, let's be real. Where would they go? Back to Atlanta? Uh... How many times has that experiment failed? <laughs> Several. I mean, you know, maybe the NHL wants to try it a third time. Let's maybe. try and stick a hockey team in Atlanta. Arizona and Calgary will duke it out for who gets to go to Houston. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't you know. It's this sucks for Calgary. Like it, it sucks in the same way that like the Oakland A's are, to be fair, the Coliseum sucks. Like it's yeah. a shit heap. Oakland actually like that. That's more of a problem. Like the Calgary Flames are the only professional sports, fr- real professional sports franchise in that. St- How in dare that town. you talk that way about the Stampeders? <laughs> right. Uh, that's why. That's why I went with real. Yeah. Uh, and you Fair. know the biggest show in the region. So yeah, the, they're not going anywhere. They had a deal before. Some people have talked about, you know, maybe there is another business problem going on because a lot of people have business problems. And this is a large, complicated project with a lot of partners. Like, I think there's maybe more to it than just this relatively small percentage gap that could be footed by the owner pretty easily. But yeah, the the team had a vested interest in the mayor that did not win election. And the Uh, mayor that has won election has played pretty solid hardball against the team. Like you talk about mayors versus sports teams with an adversarial relationship and like St. Louis mayor about to call her up. Yeah. This is awesome because history shows that sports teams actually kind of don't benefit Mm -hmm. the local population or the local businesses, like except for like this very small section of them right around the arena. Yeah. And it doesn't bring businesses and wealth into the city. It brings businesses and it brings wealth into the owner and like three other people. (laughs) Yeah. The three people he brings in to develop the place around him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Same thing happened with the Red Wings and the Little Caesars arena. Like it's all Illich holdings and they're like, oh, we're going to bring so many jobs and it's like yeah but it's still all going to the illiches right and, and god bless the illiches because you know <laughs> they spend lots of money on the red wings every year but like still like they built the city of detroit for like 300 million dollars on little caesar's arena and it's just like come on yeah these teams get sweetheart deals from these cities and you know the city's the one that ends up suffering and and actually like having to foot the bill you know, continuously like the city is actually who is on the hook to fix the saddle dome uh, for something like 80 to 100 million dollars. So that's part of the reason that they're trying to redevelop this area and they're trying to, you know, fix some infrastructure problems. Like this is a very complicated project with a lot of people, a lot of stakeholders. 
the team is just one of them and and the the city is fronting a lot of money because they're requiring a lot of the team but yeah to have it fall apart over a relatively small rounding error of a amount of money for a billionaire owner that like apparently doesn't even live in calgary anymore like lives like in europe somewhere well i mean if you could live anywhere <laughs> yeah i hear denmark's nice <laughs> right I, I think it's italy but uh, oh i wouldn't know i don't know you know i it, it's a dream to have you can italian see an villa. aqueduct anywhere i mean i would prefer red deer over a, a italian villa but as somebody who grew up in michigan in small town michigan i probably would too <laughs> <laughs> so here we have two kind of karmic reactions like teams that did kind of good smart bold things and then were rewarded by the hockey gods uh first thing minnesota did is they extended their coach dallas eakins and his staff multi-year contracts um by all counts good move good coach team is competing uh very well and you know is at the upper echelon of the league whereas just a couple of years before they were kind of middling and, and not nearly very good. So, you know, big props to what he has done there and uh, smart by the ownership and front office to extend them. And the karmic reaction to that is they got a sweet winter classic that was like quintessentially Minnesota for like people that, you know, have never been and were just like watching on TV. Like this is what they imagined. Like hockey, there's probably some ice fishing uh, you need a warming shelter to fucking stay alive. It was too cold for ice. Yeah. Like they literally had to heat the ice <laughs> because as we all learned, uh, ice gets too brittle at too cold temperatures and you can't skate on it very well. You stop and like whole like chunks of it come apart. Like it would be an absolute mess. Um, so, it was negative eight at one point, which was good for the NHL's coldest game. For those of us who live or for, for our listeners who have, you know, we have a, most of our listeners are in the Portland metro area mm-hmm. and most yeah. of them grew up in the Portland metro area. They have yet to experience such cold. For those of you who have not experienced negative eight, you know what that does to you? It fucking kills you. <laughs> I think, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the Titanic was, uh, you know, so inmured with the cold. It's yeah. terrible. It's like when there's YouTube and TikTok videos of people chucking pots of boiling water off of their balconies and it's like frozen on the way down. It freezes in like mid flight. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my school district refused to close school mm-hmm. unless it was below zero. Okay. And uh, one, because our school uh, superintendent was a sadist <laughs> ours had to incorporate wind chill and it was like negative 15 yeah ours was ours was zero with no wind chill yeah that- like not counting wind chill and so with like it's like two degrees out and my brother and i are standing out waiting for the bus for a half hour because <laughs> it's a rural school school district and some people wait for the bus for 45 fucking minutes and surprise it was too cold for the bus and the bus broke down surprise negative eight degrees is stupidly cold like mm-hmm. that's there's like if you are comfortable in that you're a psychopath like <laughs> and props to and uh supposedly some detriment to the minnesotans who braved the cold at i believe it was target field to watch yep. the game uh 
they were mostly, you know, done up in the warmest ski gear and, and snow, uh, snow sports gear that they had a lot of, uh, there were a lot of ski goggles. I'm sure a lot of flasks and, uh, I'm sure a lot of people had antifreeze running through their veins. Um, I'm willing to better bet than that bleach, the, right? I'm willing to bet that the only sober people were the players on the ice. Like I, I, that, that might be giving them credit. I don't know. <laughs> you see how many goals were scored? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, and it was kind of a boring game in that St. Louis just took a commanding lead, and, and then you know Minnesota scored some goals to make it interesting. Uh, Minnesota down six four ended up pulling their goalie with eight minutes left. Like. All right, that's a bold move, Cotton. See how it works for you. It didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, narrator, it did not. Um, the Blues had an awesome karmic retribution of their own in that they showed up in beach clothing. And uh, one player even had like a short sleeve shirt that was undone. It must have been the shortest entrance walk ever. Like, they, you know, they probably like in the video, they probably walked 10 feet and had like or a bus on either side of them. But they had the fun and they came out and won the game. And it's hard not to see the two is somehow connected. Um, One of my favorite stories of this is that apparently Jordan Bennington wanted to p- uh, push a lumberjack theme on <laughs> the st louis blues and went out and bought a bunch of lumberjack attire and uh the team said no we're doing beach and so he had like dozens of lumberjack shirts in very large sizes yeah that he was trying to give away rumor has it that he actually had them on board with the lumberjack thing until he showed them the Monty Python lumberjack video, which was his inspiration for it. And it's just a veiled joke about cross-dressing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, beach theme. Also, I don't think anybody likes Jordan Bennington. That's the impression that I get. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mighty Mighty Boston's. <laughs> um, and wow, I have dated myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, how could you tell guy who swings stick at players on the ice i think jordan bennington is the real brendan lemieux <laughs> like, Ooh, all right I like, like brady kachuk was actually talking about jordan bennington but he had to his ire well, was spent towards the man who had bitten his hands i think jordan bennington is actually sort of good ish at hockey sometimes he's, he's he's acceptably good yeah he's overpaid that'll happen when you win a stanley cup as a rookie a 37 year old rookie he's easily (laughs) one of the bigger uh piss babies in the league which is i mean i think the first time i heard you say piss baby was talking about jordan bennington and like i just can't unattach that term piss baby is a very good term yeah and it very accurately describes jordan bennington and you know what he's a heck of a goaltender he's he's quite good he's probably overpaid but i think most goalies are overpaid um but uh yeah, he's a piss baby. <laughs> and he pissed away some money on some plaid. Yeah. Uh, good luck selling the or taking those to Goodwill. Uh, my favorite random bit from the Winter Classic was when Kirill Kaprizov picked up a water bottle and went to drink from it, and it was frozen. <laughs> like, he just, like, shakes it, looks at it. He's Russian. He knows the drill. Like, <laughs> he was like, I've been here before. Yeah, he was just like, 
He makes this sad face and like puts it back. <laughs> He's like, oh, reminds me of team trip to Vladivostok. <laughs> and just like tosses it on the ground and like kills a rodent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if a rodent could survive in that kind of environment. Rodents survive everything. This is true. I love just like the technical angle of what it took to bring the game together. Um, so the optimal ice surface for hockey is between 22 and 24 degrees. And so on these sorts of like mobile rink applications, they have a glycol that's pumped through like an aluminum heat exchanger below the ice. And so generally that's to make it as cold as possible. But in this time, like they, they're actually like you actively warming the rink uh, from beneath after covering it with warming blankets up until game time like your grandmother on a cold night. I don't know. <laughs> I it, love it. It's like in the olden days where you used to like heat rocks in the fire before you went on a sleigh ride and you'd put your feet yeah, on exactly. them. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I just think of like grandma in a, you know, drafty ass old farmhouse with a electric blanket. <laughs> this is like the the Americans at Valley Forge cold. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, but it's so like quintessentially Midwest. Like this is like the cold in which like most of the plot of Fargo takes place. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't have a joke to follow that up. That was good. Uh, like at some point somebody put Jonas Brodin through a wood chipper. Like, <laughs> okay. I did have a joke to follow that up. Okay. I like uh, it. <laughs> so apparently the uh, Minnesota wild crossed state and ethical boundaries in order to consult with none other than the green bay packers i'm sure that riled some feathers in in the minneapolis st paul area but the uh, entire midwest (laughs) but the packers who have you know one of the uh more seasoned outdoor stadium crews in the nfl and in in all of sports uh advise them on um not doing it advise them on on like this like special skin ointment it's just like i think maybe some people just use like vaseline to protect their skin yeah um other people use different lotions and stuff but they you know gave recommendations on that and um you know other ways to kind of warm equipment warm keep things from getting too brittle and then breaking is kind of the name of the game and americans we can't agree on much but we can come together across state and uh fanship boundaries i have i have two comments about this one is if if you're not familiar with like the afc or the nfc north Mm -hmm. there are packer fans and then there are everybody who hates the packers (laughs) and it's not so much because they win a lot it's mostly because they're fucking jerks (laughs) they're like we own the team i'm like no you fucking don't it's like you have six guys own 90 percent of the team you own like half a millionth of a percentile of the team eat balls <laughs> you, like, you have a uh decoration piece of stock yeah that's that's fucking quaint i mean um it uh, is kind of a nice gesture i do appreciate the green bay packers because there's no way in hell a professional sports team could start in green bay wisconsin at this day and age like there's mm-hmm. just there's just no way it's also the closest a lot of conservative green bay fans get to socialism 
And True, so you can yeah. kind of they're like, I own part of this. <laughs> I am part of the 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 ownership. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, with uh, socialism, everybody's an owner. Fuck you! <laughs> I'm selling my share. I what are you going to get? Four dollars? Yeah. Cool. I own part of the football means to production. <laughs> One of the other interesting subplots of the Winter Classic was the jerseys. Minnesota came out with their jerseys a while back, and everyone kind of panned them. It looked really kind of kitschy and focus group history kind of like they they did like a fake uh old timey get up with kind of kitschy is the best way to put it yeah brown leather details fake leather kind of color details i remembered sorry go Uh, yeah Uh, but this also reminds me of we were talking in one of our really early episodes about like the longest pond hockey game that keeps going and how it got so cold that like the goalies pads were breaking when they'd stop shots Mm mm-hmm that shit could have happened in this game. Thankfully, it didn't. I love that the goalies wear hats on top <laughs> yeah. of their... But it's like, that shouldn't have to happen. And like, like, well, Cam Talbot wore a hat. Uh, Bennington did not. You, which yeah. is further... Because uh, he reads- was wearing lumberjack attire. <laughs> no, further shows that he's a psychopath. But yeah, the goalie helmets, like, there's no insulation in those fucking... Things. At all. They're just, they're, you know, carbon fiber and, and fiberglass and... and then nothing is, you know, very little padding because they're custom fit. So, you know, I'm sure that hat had some function to it. Oh, absolutely. You see them in almost every one of these games, except for the Tahoe games where the damn thing almost melted. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. or did melt. Uh, yeah. Like they're always wearing the the stocking caps over their 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 goalie helmets. And then, honestly, that might be my favorite thing about every winter classic. Yeah. COVID Winter Classics, a story of fire and ice. <laughs> First, we can't figure out the sun, and then we get... And then we really death. need it. <laughs> yeah. So, jerseys. Yeah, one of my favorite parts was the jerseys. Uh, when Minnesota unveiled theirs sort of historically uh, informed and, and kind of throwback jersey, uh, it looked pretty kitschy. It got kind of panned. Uh, it has sort of like fake brown spots and pants that are supposed to resemble leather. And uh, it, when it came out, it looked dumb. But my own popular opinion is that on TV, it looked kind of sweet. The one fuck up was that they they tried to do like English professor elbow patches, uh, but they like misplaced them. And so the elbow patch, like it wasn't on the elbow. It was like above the elbow. They didn't take into account elbow pads. Right. And I think that's, you know, as an architect and and designer and like, you know, I think that's really interesting. How they kind of, Oh shit. Uh, these giant sleeves. Oops. (laughs) Unless they're tweed. I don't want elbow patches. (laughs) And, uh, but I thought, yeah, on the ice in the insanely cold conditions, like, it ended up working out, and they they kind of felt like they had a place. Uh, the other weird thing is they put like fake uh, plywood on the back of the rink, which is made of I don't know. I think like plastic. I don't yeah, know. like no. plexiglass and, plexiglass and metal. I think um, they put like a fake wood print on it to make it look more homely. Um, the Blues jerseys were fucking incredible. Like, yes. They look like the NHL version of the LA Chargers jerseys, you know, just powder blue and yellow. It, you, you can just take a powder blue and yellow color scheme and just 
injected into my veins. Like I'm such a sucker for it. Powder blue and yellow, you really can't go wrong with as a designer somehow. <laughs> yeah. I the first off, the Chargers jerseys are amongst the best in sports. Yeah, They're, ever since they like ditched the dark navy Danian like, Tomlinson era. Which like is one of their best eras, but like those uh, the junior Seau era mm-hmm. like but yeah ever since they got they they've come uh, in the modern era yeah oh they've been so good fucking gorgeous and so like the the blues should just go with these jerseys yeah the jersey the blues jerseys were fucking amazing and they should just be powder blue forever um second karmic reaction yeah uh the canucks finally got up the guts to fire everybody they fired coach travis green who by all means was not doing a awful job with what he was given, but uh, you know, he obviously wasn't doing a good job and had lost the room and they bring in none other than F bomb dropping Bruce Boudreaux. Like Bruce Boudreaux is not out of place anywhere except for most hockey circles. It (laughs) turns out like, yeah, like the fact that Bruce Boudreaux has carved out a career despite the fact that he drops f-bombs wherever the hell he wants wait sorry that's pretty, wherever the fuck he wants that's pretty hockey it, but, but like, like not no he has a personality yeah. and hockey people don't normally have personalities he's an artistry to his F-bombs. yes um and like he did it in his con- like his opening conference like they were the team that most obviously needed to gut their front office and finally did it like how many chances does a guy need to get before you're just like, you know what? This sucks. Yeah. And they also fired Jim Benning or he had as much time on the job as Mark Bergevin and was somehow worse. Yeah. And, you know, famously had kind of said that, you know what? They had like a five-year plan or something just like the senators did. No, he said two years and two years will be competitive. And it's like, bitch, you just went to the like conference semifinals. What do you mean in two years it'll be competitive? Yeah. And they also, I think I said this back then, but they overachieved making the bubble. Everybody said this and hurt their draft stock. And then instead of continuing what was a solid rebuild, they, you fucked off and like the team was just rudderless under Jim Benning. There was, you know, there was no direction. Like we're like, like, we're going all in. We're trading for JT Miller. We're, uh, Oh shit. We need draft picks. Uh, ah, but we're going all in. We're trading for Oliver Ekman Larson. Oh wait. Also uh, Tyler to Foley. We're going to bring Tyler to Foley in and then not, uh, offer him a contract after he has a great year for us. Watch him walk. So after having the guts to just, Gut your front office, fire your coach. Uh, they brought in Bruce Boudreau, and they also brought in Jim Rutherford, who is probably too old to be a, a true GM. So he's going to be the sort of GM pro tempore and bring in a like understudy that is going to be like a first time GM. And so they are uh, interviewing for this. And uh, our favorite Italian businessman. Roberto Ruango is interviewing. I love it. Love it. I wonder if they won't have to pay him because they're already paying him $3 million this year. Right. Like, can we can we bring you in uh, uh, to work for us for the money we're already paying you? They're like, That's- we're not going to pay you this year. <laughs> but next year, when you don't count $3 million against our fucking cap, yeah. 
Uh, are you willing? We'll to, pay you that. Are you willing to do an unpaid internship, Roberto Luongo? <laughs> Roberto Luongo. Uh, it, oh man, Italian businessman Roberto Luongo is my favorite, like long, long running joke of this <laughs> podcast. It's so good. Uh, so their yeah, owner, that, their owner, probably kind of sucks too. But yeah, he's he's like trying but lost. I I feel like he's he's lost, but like refuses to admit it mm-hmm. and sure. which is a dangerous combination standard when they're also guy. super rich yeah. yeah standard rich guy behavior yeah like uh you know he's not elon musk douchey but he's also not <laughs> elon musk rich yeah or so, elon musk creative like elon musk you know it, i'm plenty critical of him but uh he does some interesting things yeah he's at least interesting he's a giant piece of shit mm-hmm. but he's you know like at least he's not Jeff Bezos, who is super uninteresting and yeah. is also a giant piece of shit. And that's right. why whenever I make rich guy jokes, I talk about how tasty Jeff Bezos is going to be <laughs> and not Elon Musk. Because, like, he just looks like he'd have a nice kind of meat structure. One of the best uh, memes that has gone around lately was uh, the Jeff Bezos turning into Pitbull meme, which he <laughs> uh, kind of is. Uh, just look it up. It's fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> he has become more and more like look looking like Pitbull with every every passing year. Yeah, Dale. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Pitbull should be suing him for like <laughs> for stealing his infringement. Image. Yeah, like he was like if he wasn't pale, you'd think he was me. Jeff Bezos's next rocket is actually just going to be a Bud Light bottle going yeah. into space. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Uh, it turns out Pitbull has actually been to space. Uh, we, he just didn't publicize it. We have devolved into a Pitbull and Jeff Bezos podcast. I don't care. So the second bit of karmic reaction to the Canucks having the guts to gut their front office and go with a new coach is they've gone on an epic winning streak and look like a completely different hockey team. Uh, it sounds like Bruce Boudreaux has complete buy-in and he's getting, you know, uh, really good really good production from star players after kind of meeting with them and having kind of conferences with them and and just saying like, Hey, I want you to be you. I want you to play the way you play. You know, I'm not going to stick you in some Tortorellian, uh, sad for hockey system. Like we're going to play up tempo scoring hockey and it's worked. And that's been so good. Unleashing Elias Patterson. Who knew? Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's looked like the player that he was drafted to be. I've watched a couple of Vancouver games since Bruce Boudreaux took over. And it's night and day. They're a completely different team. They actually, like, I don't want to say they didn't give a fuck because, like, I, I feel like professional athletes always give a fuck. Right. Because they're getting paid gobs of money to do it. And they're like, well, I want to continue to get paid gobs of money to do this. So I'm going to try. But, like, it, it it feels like this is what Vancouver looks like when they try. Yeah, they were pressing before, you know, and, and I think in a system that didn't work for them. Right. I, I think similar things were wrong with the Canucks to wrong with the Chicago Blackhawks in that they were just they were in a complicated defensive system and doing more learning and attempted execution than just playing with your gut and just going for just playing hockey and they've simplified the game and that's it for both teams is what's brought you know success since they've fired and replaced coaches yeah and it was it was more baffling from travis green because travis green had 
took this team to the conference semifinals by mm-hmm. playing that wide open loose like you know what you might get 48 shots on us tonight but we've got jacob markstrom so fuck it like let's go right. and and thatcher demko has been every good every bit as good as jacob markstrom was in that run uh but they've just been like clutching their sticks too hard it, I, they look they've been like playing scared up until they they hired bruce boudreau so another piece of karmic retribution that the Canucks received for their boldness is they got an awesome an awesome fucking public relations story out of this um a canucks staffer uh, equipment manager guy who works on the bench with his combination of i mean different equipment managers have different styles some of them like look at the play and some of them like i've seen turned around and they just have like fingers on the sticks of anyone who's like on the ice at that moment like i don't know it's it looks very very uh stressful but apparently yeah. he had his face turned to the ice for long enough for uh, a fan immediately behind him in Seattle in Seattle uh, to correctly identify a melanoma on his neck. And she uh, wrote on her notes app or something or wrote a text or something and put it up to the glass and says, like, you know, this is probably skin cancer. You should get it looked at. Yeah. And. He went to the doctor and they performed a biopsy and lo and behold, this was melanoma that was, you know, probably going to be a very bad one and was caught early on enough where he basically has, you know, I don't think he needs chemo. I think he has like nothing besides the surgery. So Brian Hamilton is the equipment manager and Nadia Popovici. And I Mm -hmm. apologize if I slaughtered any of those names. Nadia was the fan, this Kraken fan who, you know, noticed this while on the ice or while sitting behind the bench. And like, what a stroke of luck for, for everybody, right? Like it's, it's awesome that a trained professional was able to see something and, like actually diagnose it. Yeah. And believe in herself enough to, you know, put that out there and, you know, take the step to say something that in and of itself to me is like a minor miracle. Like if I see something at a game like that, like, I don't know. I, do I have the, do I have the bravery to like say something or do I just like succumb to social anxiety and just like say, ah, you know, I probably didn't, probably didn't see what I thought I saw. And, and, you know, maybe not save a life, like just an amazing job on her part. And, um, so he put out a statement through the team and, um, apparently Nadia's mom saw this and identified her, their season ticket holders for the crack. And, and she is, which means they have billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently she is a, a, a medical school entrant, uh, will be, Entering medical stu- school yes. in the next medical next stool. Term. Medical stool. <laughs> I mean, she'll I be do. dealing with a lot of stools <laughs> in medical school. Uh, but yeah, it uh, it's such an amazing story. Such an amazing job. Like, uh, props to her. This guy for you know turning the right way at the right time. Her eyes for wandering during a random TV timeout. Like, I don't know. You know, good for hockey to have enough downtime where she notices a mole on somebody's neck everything about this is awesome uh you know one a life was saved yeah like amazing uh 
And two, like the Canucks awarded Nadia with a $10,000 scholarship to medical school. Oh, for real? Fuck yeah. Which is um about like one one hundredth of what medical <laughs> school costs. But, but like still, like it's trying. 10K. Like that's awesome. Like it, it's always kind of a bummer when like billionaires are like, oh, here's $10,000. <laughs> like, come on, fucker. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you can at least you you can give me 50 in the same breath yeah but like still at the same time it's ten thousand dollars that she doesn't have to pay back and that's awesome like same time i couldn't get a ten thousand dollar raise out of my employer uh, i mean who can it's it's a great story like Mm -hmm. like this this is what happens vancouver when you fire jim benning like exactly your exactly your equipment manager lives your team gets exponentially better and uh, you get a great PR story. So also imagine more the, people should fire Jim Benning. Imagine the perspective of the equipment manager. Like you have this sweet, interesting job of dealing with all of the hockey equipment nerd shit and handing sticks to players in an instant. You're just going about your day. Uh, you know, you're a, a he's sort of a middle aged professional guy and then you just find out a you are in mortal danger and b somebody saves your life in the same breath like that's she's basically she's basically batman <laughs> i'm not wearing hockey pads <laughs> that might be the best line in the history of this podcast <laughs> uh uh like, Turns out someone besides Thatcher Demko can do some saving. Yeah, uh, this is an amazing story. And it was super cool of Vancouver to go all in on like, like, cause the, the yeah, manager released, like released a statement basically on Twitter, I think. Yeah, and it was like through the team, and, but Vancouver official, was like, no, we're going to publicize this mm-hmm. shit. There's an and, official team press release. Yeah. That. How cool. Like the, right. the, these are the feel good stories we need in yeah. sports and hockey. Like this is like especially hockey, which is like super racist and fucky. Uh <laughs> like like these sorts of things are really cool and like it it's super cool. I I'm I was thrilled when I read about it and like it was awesome to see like Twitter hockey Twitter just be like bloop 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 and like Like, all of a sudden, our Twitter feed was, like, all the same posts. I was like, what's Mm -hmm. going on here? Oh, crap. Like, this This is wild human interest story. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's so cool to see this. And, you know, kudos to everybody involved for, like, just kind of, like, rewarding good humanity. It's been good to feel the, aww. Yeah. In a world of, like joe mansions like <laughs> we got to feel like this we got to feel good for you know like several seconds and that was kind of nice i i just realized that i have like my hand on my chest while i've been talking this whole time and i'm mm-hmm. like like i'm not having a heart attack just in case i'm just like rubbing the warmies into me <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can tell had me uh, scared there for a bit but you know speaking of warmies you, you weren't you weren't quite to the heart attack and you weren't yeah, to the choking I'm so not like, ah. <laughs> Um, speaking of warmies, women's hockey, the PHF has been off for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. because of the holidays. If you haven't been watching shame on you (laughs) for one, the, the results are super lopsided right now because like the Buffalo Buttes have played five games and Connecticut's played 10. So (laughs) they're having the same problems at the NHL. Yeah. So like 
the standings kind of don't mean a whole lot right now. It's all uh, about points percentage these days. Yeah. Um, at the same time, Buffalo only has two points in those five games. So, you know, like whatever. Um, but, uh, if you haven't been watching, uh, outside of one bad weekend, Toronto has been absolutely dominant mm-hmm. and they've just been like merkin fools. If we want to go with our, our video mm-hmm. game lingo, um, the Connecticut whale decided to play defense the last weekend they played. And it was Generally like, really a good decision. It was like, Oh, so this is what they can be. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> turns so, out defense can be hard, but turn, when you figure it out, it makes a difference. It turns out defense <laughs> also wins championships. So, mm-hmm. uh, this season has been real a real wild ride like uh minnesota's bad all of a sudden yeah i've been pretty uh pretty sad about that um amanda levier and the uh the loon pads the amazing sequel to the fish pads uh did not make the all-star game this this time around and it's kind of crazy that they're they have um selected players for an all-star showcase without <laughs> with having with like, the beats having played five games yeah like, they probably like haven't seen half the players in the league play but uh you know there are there is an all-star roster and unfortunately the loon pads are not on it this year um bit bit sad to see but you know ev- everybody deserves what they got in terms of like statistics like uh the goalies that were chosen were elaine Chuli, abby ives and katie burt like the the three best performing goalies in the league like they just went straight stats and yeah hard not to do that in that league yeah absolutely especially when some teams have played half the games of others exactly uh i i think like we're the the great thing about the phf is or not the great thing one of the great things is that you know, you get to watch this extremely high level of women's hockey week in and week out. Like that that's not me taking away from the PWHPA, which we're gonna talk about here in a second. We just don't see it as often. Yeah. It, I mean it's it like pops up and you're like, it, it's it's literally a hockey pop-up. Like <laughs> it like it shows up in Calgary and then it shows up in St. Louis and then it shows up in New York and just you don't like, know when it's gonna come. Yeah, and like it's just like in a warehouse and like in like, you know, parking garages and yeah, and like I mean, I think we're gonna see it rise with trucks in the middle of the night. Yeah, we're gonna see it shut down for a while with the Olympics because many of the players who play in the PWHPA are Olympians mm-hmm. or Olympic hopefuls. Uh, so, and the professional women's hockey is not abstaining from the Olympics, right? And because the their national team duties are kind of they, the higher level to their professional team duties at this point, unfortunately, the PHF. Uh, Players Association hired a new director, which has been heralded as, you know, a big, big step in the right direction. She steps in, you know, in the middle of this kind of crazy COVID year and kind of attempts to bring, bring these women together. And, and in what is a, a tough position for women's hockey between the PHF and the PWHPA, you know, kind of cutting all the player differences between them, Alex Sinatra, joins PHF uh, Players Association and you know she's got her work cut out for her. She's going to in the coming years push for, you know, better pay, bigger league and try and navigate the kind of complicated free agent pool between the PHF and the PWHPA that's not exactly been um smooth sailing if you reference the uh 
words of Digit Murphy and some of the other, you know, people that have been involved in trying to recruit players for these teams. Yeah, I think the one of the great things about Alex Sinatra is that, you know, they worked they created their own consulting firm that like helps women and minorities and in sports industries grow their business. And that was kind of what led um, Sinatra into this position. Um, you know, I'm quoting and like ESPN and I think a Forbes article at this point, but they talked about how Mallory Suliotis, uh, who plays for the pride met Alex Sinatra and said, Hey, you might want to think about this job for our players association because we need help. Mm -hmm. And also you seem legit. And because of that, um, that, that was kind of how the seed was planted for Alex to take over this role. Um, obviously, um, Anya Packer is the, the outgoing, um, exec for the PHFPA. Um, I think, I think it's really, it's really great to see, somebody outside of hockey come into this role mm -hmm. and Alex Sinatra admittedly has no hockey background whatsoever. I don't think that's important. And I've, it may actually be a benefit. Yeah. I think what's important is having somebody who has the players and the women at the forefront of their mind at all times. And in this regard, like you have somebody who can, uh, who has this law background, who has this uh, like this background in sports, but not necessarily hockey uh, fighting for you and advocating for you. And, you know, as much as I hate lawyers, having them <laughs> represent you when you're trying to demand better wages and <laughs> demand uh, better playing conditions and all that is pretty fucking important. So, yeah, she is a lawyer and she's uh written for uh, like the USA Today, NFL Wire. Um, she's worked for a professional soccer team and her own consulting firm. Like she's got a pretty impressive resume so far. So, you know, it, it's pretty cool to see her hired. And uh, she seems like she's coming in with a ton of credentials. So, you know, hopefully she does everything that they need and more. One of the biggest things that Alex Sinatra said coming in was that she hopes to speak with the PWHPA as much as possible and to kind of start bridging that gap, which after the digit Murphy debacle that we talked about in our last episode, that was like, I don't know, six years ago, <laughs> um, it is extremely important in bridging that gap between the needs and the issues of women's hockey in general and women's hockey players in general. So I think this is a really significant hire as long as she's being genuine about that, uh, about that calling. Um, it is important to note that the PHF women are technically not unionized. So mm. there is talk about unionizing in the future and using their strength as, you know, collective bargaining. But when is it right to unionize? When is it right to, you know, use collective bargaining as a means to, you know, gaining a larger stake in the game, getting better pay, etc. I think all I think Alex Sinatra has said all of the right things thus far. Yeah, she looks like an amazing hire on paper. Yeah, I uh, said all the right things. We'll see what happens with it. 
I think I think Evan and I are on the same table where we really hope for the PWHPA and the PHF to combine into one like women's superpower hockey league mm-hmm. and expand into you know however many teams that incorporates. And it might take an outsider to kind of heal the divide and do that. Yeah. And so if this is the first step towards that, then this is a like to quote hook bangerang higher. <laughs> I'm really excited about how about the potential here. Obviously, potential needs to turn into action and action needs to turn into results. But this is a great step in that process. And I'm really excited about where we might be going from here. Same. Um, in other interesting women's hockey news, uh, the PWHPA and Team Canada's defenseman Bridget Laquette became the first Indigenous woman to scout for an NHL team when she was recently hired by the Chicago Blackhawks uh, to scout current draftees in the kind of Canadian region of the WHL. So um, she'll kind of keep tabs on all of the various draftees that are playing for the WHL teams in the, you know, against our Portland Winterhawks. Yeah. So she'll get to, you know, enjoy such sunny environs as Kamloops and Kelowna and uh, Victoria and Winnipeg, Edmonton, all, all of those good places. Um, she was actually the first first nations woman to play hockey for both the uh, team Canada and the winter Olympics but also her alma mater, University of Minnesota Duluth. And she's suited up for Team Canada starting at the U18 level and has uh, gotten three world championships under her belt for Team Canada, uh, taking home gold when she was U18 and then since two silvers and a bronze. Um, Actually, her stick from that 2018 Olympics has been displayed in a diversity exhibit at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And she's super heavily involved with a nonprofit called Classroom Champions, which provides teaching and mentorship in uh, social and emotional learning, kind of, you know, teaching kids how to navigate the world around them um, for ages K through eight. Really interesting story. It's nice to see the Blackhawks, you know, hire indigenous people to kind of make a... I don't know. Despite their uh right, make an attempt to yeah. kind of despite their lines, insignia right. being mocking of indigenous people, yes. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good step in the right direction for a franchise which needs a lot of good steps and yeah. like and they've made the, some good PR moves in the yeah. wake of the Stan Bowman Brad Aldrich debacle. Um but yeah, hard to not see this somehow related to that but at the same time it's a good gives a fuck yeah like this is awesome like yeah like do we need to kind of color in that language yes because shitty things have happened but because it's because of who has made the hiring yeah if if it's not her at all if st louis was making this hiring we wouldn't be talking about this at all but it's the blackhawks who have you know offended the world in the last (laughs) two years yeah ain't that the truth you know it whether or not whether or not it, this is at all results of a PR move, it's a, I, I don't care. Like, exactly. It's awesome. Like, kudos to Bridget for getting this job. It's obviously well-deserved. The work that they have put in 
to grow hockey both in their own mm-hmm. community and in general is incredible. Yeah, she's scouted now for several different organizations. You know, she's coming in very highly qualified. Uh, it's just good to see more women getting hired into front offices in the NHL. And, uh, you know, kudos to the Blackhawks for making this decision. Christmas is over. New Year's has passed. But for Boston fans, there's maybe one last present that's hidden behind the tree, like a Red Rider BB gun. What is the Finnish equivalent to a Red Rider BB gun? Um, it's not it's meatballs. a real gun. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's the goalie. He's it, coming back. It's the gun that fended off this, the Soviets. <laughs> um, I Yeah, Tuka Rask on the verge of coming back uh, for Boston. He's been skating uh, illicitly um, for the team. While not under contract. Yeah, he's just hanging out. Oh, I just happened to be here today. I guess I'll just skate around a bit. Oh, L- Lena Solmark happens to be a little under the weather today. I guess I'll just fill in as your backup goalie. Hey. Yeah, I just, uh... Tuca is uh, one of the best goalies of his generation. He's won a cup. He's gotten Boston to the verge of several other cups. Yeah. He earned himself some time to deal with some professional burnout. Yeah. Well, and also a hip surgery. Like I I'm really excited. He seems like one of the genuinely like good folks Mm -hmm. in the NHL. Like he, in spite of having to deal with Boston media for his whole career. Yeah. He dropped the fuck out of the, the bubble a couple years ago because he was worried about his family and like people shit on him. And it's like, the dude is doing like adult human things like leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. Like he's doing responsible adult things. He doesn't right. want to get his young kids COVID like good yeah. for him. And notably the team has kind of handled him with relative kid gloves and uh, they're about to be rewarded for it and get their star goalie back. Presumably healthy. You know, hopefully he's not going to pull a Ben Bishop and do one game or half a game. In Give Providence up nine goals and half a goal, a half a period and in Sam, Providence and, and, and be Sam like, Dunn. well, this is over. <laughs> Tugo will probably be fine. He did have, he did have hip surgery in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, in a contract well, year. And so, I mean, that's part of the reason for this kind of weird extended layoff. Like it, everyone knew that Tuka was coming back to the Bruins at well, some point. He, he himself said, I will not play for anybody but the Bruins. And it was like, right. oh, oh, okay. Uh, so we're Calgary. We're just going to leave you alone. Then. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it'll be fun to see him back. I really enjoy the way Tuka plays the game. I've always kind of enjoyed him. He was one of my favorite players on that, those Bruins teams. And it'll be nice to see him back in the swing of things. Um, so I guarantee you other teams like kick the tires and like, can we trade for or sign Tuka Rask? And like, I bet Boston like sent Leonardo DiCaprio from the departed to like beat up GMs just to keep Tuka uh, Rask unsigned. Tuka just, no, what happened was Tuka just waved the Dikembe Mutombo finger and was like, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> all right, folks, I think that's it for us this week. Thank you for bearing with us while we, uh, you know, enjoyed our holidays instead of bringing the podcast to you. Um, we're back. We're, uh, we are COVID free despite having both flown across the country and to the Midwest where COVID is rampant. But thank you so much for bearing with us. Thank you for listening. If you are looking to find us anywhere else on the internet, you can find us at handsomehockey.com, handsome hockey podcast on Instagram, at handsome hockey on Twitter, or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page where we will probably start putting things again. That's yeah, now that there's like hockey again, we can, you know, post content. Yeah, that's fun. And obviously you're listening to us somewhere. 
but we are on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, YouTube, and uh, I don't know, maybe for the children's TikTok at some point. No. (laughs) Suckers. All right. Uh, Thank you again, everybody, for listening. This has been episode 52 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast from Portland, Oregon. We love you. We miss you. Stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau tous les mondes.